welcome to the Sonic Velocity of Harmony radio show and podcast. A journey into the mysticism of music and sound with your host, musician, author, and Sufi mystic, Secunder Scott Von Hill. The Sonic Velocity of Harmony is brought to you by a holistic musician with generous support from the Church of All in Burbank, California, and our friends at Personas Audio Electronics, makers of Studio One Version 3. Here's your host, Scott Von Hill. Hey everybody, welcome to the Sonic Velocity of Harmony radio show and podcast. I've got a really exciting episode this week where I want to share some um, revived footage uh, that I've turned into audio, uh, video footage that um, is of Pierre Veliot and Nat Khan. And uh, Pierre Veliot was the son of Hazrat Nayak Khan, and Pierre Veliot also served as my guide's um, teacher for more than 30 years. And although I never met him, and I came to the Sufi path right around the time that he passed, um, it was a year later that I met Tasneem, my guide. And uh, yeah, this is some really incredible material in which there was a long interview and I don't know all the particulars about it. It was late November, uh, 1985. And from the recording, I can tell very clearly that it was Tasneem, uh, interviewing him and, and asking a few questions and the points that he brings up about all these different particular Sufi saints, uh, in, in particular, there's three that, uh, are brought up in this interview, Abu Yazid Abastami, um, Ibn Arabi and uh, Al Halaj, and so I, I really, honestly, wasn't really familiar with Abu Yazid Al Bastami myself. Uh, but I'd studied some of Ibn Arabi. We do an Ibn Arabi class in Burbank. Um, we've been doing for a couple of years off and on, and um, so I was familiar with him. But yeah, Abu Yazid Al Bastami, I didn't know anything about, and. It just really struck me this first section of the interview where she talks to Pierre Belayat about him and just poses a particular question in the beginning about something to do with his nature or uh, something that he said and you know I love the way she says could you comment and uh, that's so just the way she says it is it's beautiful representation of her spirit and her soul coming through and um, she's always seeking and always wanting, you know, to understand something better and, and open a different angle and viewpoint of it. And I love that about her. So she poses a few questions and then he goes into, you know, some really good explanation. In this first part, um, I'm just really amazed at the depth of wisdom that just rolls, you know, out of him. And you know his understanding of those saints and what they were about and what they stood for and and their life and things like that really a an eye-opening experience and um yeah so uh this particular clip that i'd like to share is just a small portion it's about 20 minutes of the first part of the interview about abu yazid abastami and just the way that pier Valiat comes in and starts out by saying you know first I'd like to you know kind of explain a little bit about to understand this you have to think like this and this is how a Sufi would approach it and the way that he kind of describes Sufism in the beginning 
uh, is very beautiful and it really just sets the piece up so great and um, then he goes into some really deep explanation and, and you have to listen to it a few times to really get uh, a grasp of the depth of of the material and the things that he's talking about because this is really really heavy stuff about you know really um merging with god seeing yourself as god god seeing himself through you and you being the one that god sees through and you seeing god through himself and you know all the paradoxical things about that so it's really a a deep introspective little 20 minutes or so uh that i'm really proud to be able to share um of the brilliant and wonderful late pure and that khan in 9th century Persia, there emerged one of the great mystics of Sufism, and according to the sources of information available on the life of Abu Yazid of Bistam, he's cited as the first great exponent of the Sufi conception of passing away, or fana. He said things such as, 30 years, <coughs> the high God was my mirror. Now, I am my own mirror. Since I am no more, the high God is his own mirror. Would you comment? Yes. <clears throat> well, to start with, I think it is important uh, to become very clear about the fact that Sufism is the perspective of men and women who have um, gone beyond the um, charted reaches of the minds of most people living in the uh, world. Uh, we call them darvish, dervishes, who um, undergo an incredibly austere uh, and severe training. Abu Yazid Bastami lived in the desert in um, incredible circumstances, lack of water, lack of food, uh, in search of God. <clears throat> and um, consciousness um, is um, grappling uh, the paradox of uh, finding that uh, uh, while at first God is thought of as the objective, eventually one discovers that um, um, how things would look from the opposite vantage point, how things would look from the vantage point of God discovering himself through man. <clears throat> well, if you want to understand Sufism, you'll have to start thinking in a totally different way. Um, man at the passive end of the experience, rather than the active end of the experience, um, so that uh, God can never be the object of one's knowledge. Um, it is God who is discovering himself um, as us and through us. Um, so Abu Yazid Bastami uh, started his, uh, went through uh, three main phases in his life. And in the first phase, he was um, uh, trying to fulfill one of the precepts of Sufism, which is uh, the human being <coughs> being the 
a manifestation of the divine perfection, that is the divine qualities, or the bounty of divine qualities, the human being is supposed to try and become what they call the temple of the epiphany, that is the medium through which uh, these qualities uh, become manifest. And um, uh, so he was doing what we do in the Sufi order, working with divine, uh, diff different qualities in his being, uh, being aware that they are the divine qualities and trying to manifest them, trying to become, as I say, the temple of the epiphany of the divine being in, in the universe, in the existential condition. And as he went along, he, um, uh, he must have manifested, uh, for example, the divine majesty and the divine power and the divine radiance uh, or divine light and the divine truth and so on, um, extremely um, powerfully and intensely, so that um, uh, the fulfillment of that first period in his life uh, was reached when he said, um, um, God, um, God said, my creatures wish to see me, present yourself. Well, that would be the purpose of the human being to be the place where God may be manifest. <clears throat> and um, so uh, then he replied, um, and said, uh, Oh God, may, uh, may, um, may the uh, uh, beautify my being, adorn my being with the bounty of thy qualities, uh, may, the, may thou um, uh, unify me in the unity of thy being, uh, so that uh, when the creatures come to see thee, I may not be present, and only thou shouldst manifest. That was, therefore, the first um, expression of what we understand by fana, that is, the annihilation of the notion of the personal self, so that um, uh, the personal self does not in any way constrain the bounty of the divine qualities that um, one is supposed to uh, manifest. Um, curiously enough, Basami then went um, through a very radical change. Um, it is possible that this change was triggered off by a visit to India, where he uh, apparently uh, became the disciple of a Vedantist guru. <clears throat> um, and as you know, of course, um, teaching of, um, in India is uh, the, the idea of Maya is very strongly rooted in the Indian tradition. And so he went through a phase when he realized that whatever manifestation uh, is to be found of the divine qualities um, is, um, is just a veil, it's, uh, it's an illusion. Uh, now, uh, in this respect, um, later on, of course, uh, he went through the extreme or uh, devalidating uh, 
the manner in which the divine qualities manifest in the existential, existential condition. Now, many centuries later, uh, Faridu de Natar, uh, paraphrasing uh, this or commenting on this, uh, said, it is true that uh, manifestation is a veil, but this veil does not only uh, manifest the um, divine qualities, um, it also veils these um, qualities, but the very veil uh, that uh, veils these qualities also uh, espouses the contours of the divine face. And I think he was referring to the veil of the uh, Arab lady that um, uh, does uh, betray some of the features of her face, although it is supposed to be a veil. And uh, Farid Nata said then, glory to the one who manifests himself by veiling himself or concealing himself and who conceals himself by manifesting himself. Well, there we come across a paradox which you find in the teaching of and the life of Abu Yazid Bastami. Was it at this point when he says in search of the multiplicity within his unity I then beheld the tree of the divine unity in its multiplicity and saw that that tree was a hoax Yes. Is he referring then there to Yes, that so that corresponds to the second period in his life where he did not place the emphasis on manifesting the divine qualities because he found that even these qualities are a veil uh, covering the divine reality and he was in search of the absolute beyond any qualities. <clears throat> that is why and he, um, of course, these qualities are multiple in their nature, and he was trying to grasp the unity behind this multiplicity. Now, in our common um, everyday experience, I, it may have happened uh, to us to have been walking the streets, for example, and find that um, one can flip one's consciousness in such a way that uh, all of a sudden it looks as though all these people are cells of the same body. So at that moment, one is beginning to grasp um, unity behind the apparent multiplicity. That's the kind of thing that was happening to him. He went very far in uh, this um, negative, uh, uh, what they call via negativa, this negative period in his life. Um, when he said, um, God deceives you, in the markets of the world, even as he will deceive you in the heavens, and all that he produces is effigies of himself. And um, then again, this was commented, uh, again, I think it, it was by Faridu de Natar when he said, um, um, he said, God protects you by deceiving you, um, uh, because you would not be able to stand the power of his being. In fact, now I remember, it was uh, Abdel Qadir Jilani who said, for those who cannot stand, uh, God speaking, God, for those who cannot stand uh, the light of my intelligence, I have created the world of shadows as a veil, and for those who cannot stand the solitude of my unity, I have created the world of light as a veil. And uh, the, uh, yes, the story of Faridul and Attar is that there was a 
king who was so magnificent that people used to pass out, used to faint when he was passing. And therefore, um, they, uh, he asked to be veiled, you know, to protect people from his magnificence. <clears throat> so, um, the, not only the physical world, but even that which lies behind the physical world, which is just the qualities, um, the divine attributes, what the Sufis call sifat, uh, was considered by Abu Yazid Bastami now to be a veil. And um, in order to reach that uh, point, he went through a series of what one might call annihilations. Uh, he describes this in a very remarkable passage, very paradoxical in his language, where he says, I went from deprivation to deprivation and from the lack of this to the lack of that and from uh, negation to the negation of negation and so on. And, uh, I forget exactly the text, but it's a very remarkable text. Um, uh, almost uh, elucubrations of a being whose mind has uh, become totally uh, disrupted by the quest for the absolute. We could say that uh, um, he uh, his, uh, the intensity of his quest for the absolute had shattered uh, the, um, the constructs of the mind. <clears throat> um. And yet, was it not at this point, he made the statement, Abu Yazid, he said, he who discourses with eternity must have within him the lamp of eternity. So there was already some recognition of that indwelling uh, presence which he sought. Uh, he, yes, he suspected um, that behind all of this veil, of course, there was um, the absolute. Uh, <clears throat> and um, that's what he was hankering after. So then in a third period in his life, he, um, he said something which is typical of what happened at that time. He said um, um, to God, um, um, I wish nothing but thy being um, the um, bridegroom does not have to suffice himself with the veil of the bride. Um, so if um, all of this is illusion, uh, yes, but the reality behind it, that's what I'm seeking for. Um, and God answered, you're not strong enough to stand the solitude of my unity. That's a very remarkable sentence, the solitude of my unity. When one, uh, the experience of unity is extremely, um, uh, uh, is ex um, extremely lonely. And um, Abu Yazid Bastami, you can imagine Abu Yazid Bastami had left the villages and, the, and every form of life and he uh, was beginning to, to doubt uh, the reality of the physical world and the, even the divine attributes, he was seeking for the absolute. <clears throat> and um, so he said, that is exactly what I'm looking for, the solitude of the divine unity. So then God tested him and said, Oh, I. And he said, uh, do not, are you, uh, do not beguile me in my ego. And so it was obvious that uh, he wasn't ready for the divine unity. 
And then God said to him, O thou, he had lost the test, he had failed the test. And then he said, um, and then God shattered me by his who, who we are, which means, uh, well, it's very difficult to translate in English, but um, uh, it's not his being by his, um, I, I maybe one should say by his being, as long as one thinks of the being as beyond the exist uh, beyond existence. And um, actually, the word "who" means him, his himness. We can't say that, but anyway. And um, then he uh, he was totally shattered, and. Um, as he went through various, there are various stages here, I'm simplifying it a little bit. And finally, he said to God, Oh, I. He had passed the test. He had lost the notion of himself. There was a point at which he was asked uh, his age. Someone asked Abu Yazid, how old he was, and he said he was four years old. And at that point, he was well into his 70s. Uh, what he was talking about, he said that, I have seen him, meaning God, I have seen him during the last four years. The period in which one is veiled does not belong to one's life. He counted it as no life, as death, in fact. Yeah. That period of his, of his search, perhaps, yeah. where the revelation, the, the gnosis, the at-one-ment with that divine knowledge had not been conferred upon him. So not until that moment did he consider himself even awake or alive. Yes. Is this typical? Yes. <clears throat> there was um, somehow a fallacy in uh, Abu Yazid Bastami's experiment, which was um, brought to light by other Sufis like um, Al-Halaj and Ibn Arabi. Um, Al-Halaj said, um, it was your search for God that stood in the way of your experience of God. And Ibn Arabi showed that um, the flaw was that he wanted to annihilate himself instead of seeing himself as being the being of God. So it was, uh, you you could only annihilate something that was other than God. You can't annihilate God. And so that was assuming that there was something in him that was other than God. Now, there was a fallacy there which um, uh, Ibn Arabi uh, saw um, into very clearly. But, you know, it's, this is very subtle because uh, that's true, looking at things from one angle. But on the other side, um, uh, Ibn Arabi once said, know whereby thou art God, and know whereby thou art not God. Uh, so that uh, this is very paradoxical. Um, I don't know the answer, but um, what, was, uh, what is very interesting in the um, experience of um, Abu Yazid Bastami at that point was that um, his, ex his experience of annihilation was probably something like a trance-like state. And 
what was necessary to experience unity was to be able to see his person as part of the divine being instead of uh, losing sight of his person. That approaches uh, heresy, if you'll pardon me. Uh, because at that point, was it not at that point that he made the statement of self-glorification? Did he not? Um, uh, no. Um, no. Um, no, I, if I remember well, uh, he made that, uh, that statement, uh, Ma Shani, <clears throat> um, how great is my glory. I think he made that statement at the moment when he, uh, he uh, was aware of, of all the divine qualities that were coming through him. And um, he was uh, aware of the divine splendor in his being. But not yet in the completely absorbed in the unitive state. <clears throat> I'll have to check that. <laughs> That's the way I understand it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. I'd like to check that. This point between gnosis or the knowledge of God mm -hmm. and that which is called love or the yearning, the nostalgia for the being of God appear at first glance to, to be two separate paths to the, the only goal, the only source. Abu Yazid uh, Bastami, speaking of, of love, said, it is a crime in the lover to regard his love and an outrage in love to look at one's own seeking while one is face to face with the sought. I know, it's, um, I think that he really had a problem with love, uh, which um, you find very different. Of course, the whole being of Al-Halad was love for God. Was, um, that is the reason why Al-Halad said it was your search for God that stood in the way. I think that his search was motivated by a need to know rather than uh, love. I'm saying that it's a rather severe um, statement about Al Halaj, uh, about uh, Abu Yazid Astami. <clears throat> Aren't there limitations to one's mental or intellectual capacities? How much can one know? And by comparison, how broad, how expansive is the heart? Yes. Well, these are questions that we'll have to uh, approach when uh, talking about Ibn Arabi and um, Al-Halad. Yeah. Wow. So, it's really interesting to get a, a really good look and peek into the world of that particular mystic through the eyes of another mystic, through Pure Velayat and Nayat Khan, and get his take and his insights on the life of Abu Yazid al-Bastami. Very, uh, very deep stuff there. A lot of really interesting points and a lot of things that I really took away from it. And I don't want to say too much about it because I want you to just take away from it what you will. Uh, but there are a few points that I thought were really interesting that I just wanted to touch upon. First being the, the phrase, the temple of the epiphany. 
and how that relates to the divine qualities trying to manifest and bring forth the divine being through uh, through his his own being and I thought that, that was a really interesting fr phrase to use that uh, trying to reach the temple of the epiphany trying to really that's like a place that you're trying to reach through meditation and spiritual practice and things like that the temple of the epiphany where the divine qualities try to manifest and uh, bring forth the divine being i thought that was really interesting and uh it's interesting to point out that that uh abu yazid al-bastami was also kind of the first to bring about the uh, concept or the idea of fana and fana is you know something that we learned pretty early uh, that i learned pretty on in my sufi walk and my path was uh annihilation and it's basically annihilation of the personal self or annihilation of the ego um, so fana is that annihilation so i actually have a song that i'm working on for uh, the new kurai release called the river fana it's all about the river of annihilation and drowning yourself in that annihilation and uh, drowning the ego, that, that kind of thing. So anyway, the fana, that idea came from, from him, which I was not aware of. You know, as he got further on in his studies after a trip to India, teaching or learning from a Vedantist teacher, um, you know, really clung hard to the idea of Maya, you know, Maya being the veil that, you know, covers uh, the real and I thought it was interesting that in his particular take on that was that even the expression of the qualities he saw as a veil or illusion. So, you know, he's trying to reach this temple of the epiphany by, you know, bringing forth these divine qualities, trying to manifest them uh, to bring forth the divine being through him. Yet a little farther down the road, got this kind of feeling and idea that even the expression of these divine qualities is a veil because there's only God there's only that real one true being there's that one creative force and it's all that so because it's all God it's all one the one when, once you get into the unity and the multiplicity you start to really see that even the expression of these individual qualities um, pale in comparison to the to the whole being that is God if we could even imagine what that would be so then it went on there's another spot here that I thought was really cool and something that really stood out to me you know and he was really begging for God to just really give him that you know that completeness that unity with him that complete emergence and an understanding of God experience of God and uh, there's a quote here by Abul, uh, I'm sorry Abdul Qadir Jalani that I thought was really amazing and this is basically God speaking through through him for those who cannot stand the light of my intelligence I have created the world of shadows as a veil and for those who cannot stand the solitude of my unity, I have created the world of light as a veil. So basically this alluding to, you know, the shadow world and the light world, both are a veil from the true reality of God, the true essence um, of that, that being that is both of those qualities or, or essences uh, all wrapped into one. So I, I thought that was really a thought provoking uh, 
thing I'll, I'll read it one more time for those who cannot stand the light of my intelligence I have created the world of shadows as a veil and for those who cannot stand the solitude of my unity I have created the world of light as a veil it's intense okay so moving on I thought it was interesting the next part of his life where he called out I wish nothing but thy being you know and God replied back to him that you're not strong enough to handle the solitude of my unity and that that's a heavy statement right there you're not strong enough to handle the solitude of my unity you know meaning that we have all these individual well what I take from it my idea of what it means all these individual things and experiences that we have in life these preconceived notions and ideas and things like that of you know expressions of God once you really experience and are lost in the unity of it it's a very lonely place because there's only God you don't exist nothing exists and uh, so I think that's what he's really alluding to there is that he cried out um, I wish nothing but thy being God replied you're not strong enough to handle the solitude of my unity that's deep and then um, you know as he was being tested and asking God for a test you know he cried out oh I as in to say you know I, I realize that I am only you and you are only me there is only the one and in doing that uh, God said something uh, he, he said something back and then he said oh thou uh, it was God's reply because he had lost the test but what was interesting about that point is that he had to shed the rest of his ego you know and once he was able to kind of kick around for a little time and and kind of figure out that he had to shed the rest of his ego he was able to go back and he said oh I and he had passed the test and uh, you know the way Peter Belayat says it is much more poetic than how I'm describing it but I, I thought there was an interesting um, essence or, or energy in that statement in that uh, that whole part of him having to then shed his ego and, and that the shedding of the ego was really the only way to pass the test and really have that emergence with the one and uh, lastly I thought the interesting part was that you know Tasneem had mentioned to him and part of the questioning that he was well into his 70s and he said that he was you know when he was asked his age he said that he was four years old and uh, I thought that was really funny. My friend and I, my best friend, Matt, he and I used to always uh, make a joke about how we were three damn years old because we were never going to grow up and always be, you know, this certain age. So we always made that joke about three damn years old. So I, I, I immediately thought of that and kind of, you know, scoffed about that to myself about how funny that was. But the real meaning behind it is that, um, you know, when asked his age, he said he was four because he only really knew God in that experiential state for four years and so he really didn't count any of his life before that as important or as part of his life yeah Tasneem also made the statement within there the period which one is veiled from God does not belong to their life so once you've actually removed the veil and you have that experience of merging with God then uh, that period of time before that awakening 
to that reality it just doesn't exist it's it's just not a part of of your being it belongs to something else uh, so i thought that was a really interesting you know point to bring bring out but i, th I thought this was a really amazing recording and and so many deep deep introspective things to to take from it so again just uh really grateful to be able to do this grateful for the church of all and for uh you know the sufi order international for for all the work that they're doing and continuing to do and it is a thriving living order uh it's a spiritual community that's very alive so they always appreciate your support and help and uh I appreciate your help in supporting and listening to these podcasts and yeah, check us out. You can, uh, eventually you're going to be able to get a lot of this material on DVD, CD, or MP3, that type of thing, uh, to purchase full length, um, recordings and videos of these things that I'm taking snippets of, uh, from the church of all us. So I just want to kind of put that out there that, uh, that material will be available. So please keep a, keep a close watch on church of all us and, uh, We'll keep you posted on when that material will be available. And then uh, check us out at holisticmusician.com. As always, we will have uh, archives and other uh, podcasts and things like that up there. So give us a shout. Let us know what you think of these, uh, what you'd like to talk about and discuss. We're going to get into the mysticism of music and sound a lot more in the next couple episodes and get into the nitty-gritty of some sound healing and things like that. So thanks again, and appreciate you checking out the Sonic Gloss of harmony.